0: Hello guys. Daniel Childs back here again for another show. Hope you're doing well and keeping safe on this Monday. The World Cup has truly begun. England winning their opener against Iran 6-2. A big win for Gareth Southgate. A really convincing performance. Some great attacking play. And from a Chelsea perspective, uh, Mason Mount and particularly Raheem Sterling uh, performing well. Um, So the best start for England. Um... Just to sort of introduce World Cup Daily is what I'm calling it for now, um, kind of as a podcast, uh, just kind of wrapping things up or maybe focusing on one game because we're not going to be able to sort of cover every single game given sort of time and straits and stuff. Um, but obviously today we're going to focus on the England performance. I also, from a Chelsea perspective, I'm going to cover some news surrounding Christopher and Kunku again, another big player that's consistently being linked with Chelsea. So we'll have a chat. We'll put this on the podcast feed as well so people can listen to it. I hope you enjoy this format. Let me know what you think about it and if you want to see some different things because we are going to get some guests on to kind of have longer form conversations around Chelsea as well uh, in the next week or two. So this is not only going to be uh, the content coming up, it's just a way to cover the World Cup, uh, to see what's going on. I I probably will lean into more Chelsea players, how they're doing in the World Cup because that's obviously of interest. And right now, as I'm recording this, uh, Senegal are playing the Netherlands and then later today, it's Wales versus USA. Ethan Ampadu versus Christian Pulisic. But... Uh, if you are listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min podcast network. So please go over there. If you, if you are watching this on my YouTube channel, it's really easy to find a podcast if you want to listen to this in audio form. Just search Son of Chelsea on all your favorite podcast providers. Um, as I said, already content gone up there, reviewing the recent Chelsea game, some of the news, a Q&A, all of that good stuff. And now, of course, covering uh, the World Cup. And if you're watching on my YouTube channel, please hit that subscribe button if you're new here for the latest Chelsea content uh, during the World Cup and uh, hit that like button because it helps uh, new people find the channel as well. But England, um, I really like the 4 I do. Um, you know how much I like it from a Chelsea perspective, how much I've w- been wanting to see it uh, implemented at Chelsea in recent years uh, and and the way it worked today it worked wonderfully because it was a style of game that very much suited that and needed England to be progressive and get on the front foot. Um, I think the way England it was such a perfect demonstration you know you see a lot of times uh, it, it go wrong against a low block a team sort of in command in possession how wrong you can get it if you're too slow on the ball, if you're sloppy in possession, if you waste your chances if you don't have good movement, If you don't have players progressing beyond the ball at times from central midfield, that's what this formation gave England. You know, to have Bellingham and Mason Mount as two eights was obviously massive, I think, for England in this game. The way both of them moved, you saw Mason Mount move kind of over to a left wing position because Raheem Sterling was moving kind of centrally. He likes moving into that central position where he gets a lot of his goals for England, as you saw in this game. Um, And he just... The rotations out wide were just so impressive to me and that it was in the first, you know, 20 minutes. You could tell where England were going to get uh, past the run in this game and it was it was a struggle for them to kind of hit the ball, you know, forward and, and get anything to gel really um, until the second half. And I think for both Mason Mount and for Raheem Sterling, as I say, Chelsea biased hat on here. I think it was a massive indication of of hopefully in the second half of the season, what Graham Potter could do and what he could do with a certain Declan Rice. Because there were reports um, last night that apparently West Ham were finally willing to listen to offers for Declan Rice le- next summer bellingham's been linked to chelsea as well bellingham scoring that goal he was mesmerizing again and for that age to score a goal at the world cup the opening goal for england at a world cup um i think he's just got such a nice blend of attributes about him for a central midfielder obviously earlier in his career he was he was very much looking like he was going to play as a striker so he's he's got those instincts and he's got that kind of size and frame despite being a very young player to get in the box and impact things um but he just has a very nice cool kind of calm nature on the ball and, and consistently you know the player um the the level he's been playing at for Borussia Dortmund, um, you expect that from him. But I just felt that the way it, when England were trying to build up from the back, he would very much drop in there and, and sometimes provide an extra man to kind of help that build up. Um, if Iran were trying to press England a little bit more, but then of course he has that guy when he also he has the anticipation to to run into the box to be brave and and it's great to see him doing that for England at a major tournament. Bakayo Saka uh wonderful and what I like about Saka you know the best wide players are the ones that kind of just have no fear and they just go at the opposition and Saka in the first half was trying that a few times and he was losing out but as the game progressed he finally got his rewards for doing so uh brilliant strike brilliant volley just a player in confidence obviously at Arsenal at the moment and in the second one you know nice uh, move from Raheem Sterling passing the ball quickly to uh, Vakairo Saka and in Saka just patiently waiting and finishing it. Considering what happened to him at the last major tournament, uh, which, you know, no one, you know, should be blaming him for, you know, such a young player to take a responsibility and take a penalty. Um, But to see him come out here, it just... It's it's nice to see that a lot of players who have been performing well for their for their clubs, like Saka, for instance, come into this game with form and just consistently uh, and can and continue to show their their improvement. And I think that it's such a shame we don't have Rhys James at this tournament. Uh, again, I know Chelsea bias, but I just think down that right side. I thought Trippier. He's going to add that experience and, and especially from set pieces, I think he's going to be a real threat with with Maguire in there too. You know, England have, have always been a threat at set pieces with, with Gareth Southgate. That's something I think they've always kind of at a base level been very strong at, which you know, these are basics, but these are important things at international tournaments. But to, for England to come out and to see that flair, to see so many different players score, none of them being Harry Kane, which I know maybe will annoy Harry Kane, but that is not a concern because you don't want the burden to be on him consistently. Um, and, and to see Marcus Rashford come off the bench and score uh, big for him personally, to get back in England, score Jack Grealish to score. Callum Wilson was obviously involved in that goal too. Just all round, it was just a, a really nice afternoon of football watching England. Um Obviously, it's going to get a lot tougher. Uh, USA, Wales, I think they're going to offer very different challenges with better players and are going to, you know, test England defensively because we did see in that second half um, a little bit more of that fragility that we have seen from England in recent months. But a lot of people have been asking Gareth Southgate to be more progressive and to go at games a bit more with the talent he has at his disposal. And I don't think you can have too much of a go. And it's going to be very easy to dismiss the opposition today, but you know if that's the case as i said on twitter you can go back and you you deserve the algeria in 2010 you deserve those performances uh because to see england go out there and just and just perform so confidently when there has been a lot of negativity around this tournament for very good reasons but i think for for the nation to to wake up today to to feel sort of maybe a little bit of nerves and trepidation before the first game and to go out there and play with such flair and confidence, obviously sets us up in the best way possible. Uh, and hopefully they can continue it in the next two games because I think they beat USA on, on Friday and you are there basically in the knockout stage. So uh, perfect, perfect start. And we will see how this evening's game against uh, the USA and Wales goes. Uh, I, I think I'm leaning towards a draw in that game. I just think both teams will kind of cancel each other out. but And that'll be obviously a positive thing for England um, going into the final two games of their group. Let's talk a little bit about Chelsea news. Um, the big one today that I did write a piece about was uh, Christopher Nkunku report from uh, Ten Sport. I think it is in France. Um, just again reiterating how close Chelsea are to securing a deal for Christopher Nkunku despite this ligament injury that he has suffered that has ruled him out of the World Cup. I asked a lot of you guys on Twitter over the weekend whether Chelsea should still go ahead with this deal. I got sort of mixed responses. I think overall it was still positive that people felt we should still try and sign Christopher Christopher Nkunku from Leipzig despite this injury. Um, Based on the assessment and based on the time frame given to his recovery mid-Jan, early February it looks like which isn't the worst for an injury of this nature but you just don't know how he's going to recover and how fast he's going to recover whether it it may take him a little bit longer and what player returns that is always such a a big concern with these injuries. Does the player return in the same sort of ferocity um, that he had before which made him so dangerous but hopefully that is the case Um, and it does look like uh, for clarity Chelsea if they are going to sign in Kunku and it does get confirmed before say the end of the year it's going to be for July lie 2023 he won't be joining mid-season which I never felt he would I thought that would have been such a shock and would have been weird for Leipzig to kind of do that uh, and, and to agree to that obviously once again this is just another report that we've seen from Germany from France we've seen some reports from England I think there's still maybe a final step to go to get some more concrete reports on this but it, it's looking good I mean if, if you're someone that really wants to see Christopher and Kunku sign for Chelsea um, I, you've got to feel confident now, at the very least he has signed something or had a, a agreement with Chelsea that we know since uh, last month it's just about you know um, crossing the T's dotting the I's you know and getting all of that done um, before anyone else anyone else can nip in and I do wonder if a lot of this is is Bali being sort of scarred by the summer transfer window Rafinha Jules Koundé um, getting so close with both of those deals and Barcelona coming in at the final at the final turn and, and getting it in front of Chelsea so I think for Nkunku hopefully he can have a smooth recovery I, I have been more convinced by Nkunku watching him a little bit more closely um, obviously people watch him a lot more than me Kevin Hatchard who is a Bundesliga commentator so obviously knows a lot more uh, about him than I do and has been watching him for several years uh, cannot stop raving about him so you know, he's clearly a very good player. the one thing I would always say, you know, as we have seen in recent years with with players coming into Chelsea, is how they adapt. How do we try to get the best out of them? How do they acclimatise to English football? Um I would say compared to Timo Werner, which again is is the one big comparison I did mention in my last video when when someone was asking me about Nkunku, is I do think he has more of a rounded technique I'd say that was that was the big thing that let Timo Werner down uh, when he was asked to do slightly different things and he was up against defenders who weren't just going to give him half a pitch to run into um, and Nkunku and isn't going to get that but I think just with what I've seen and also he seems to have a bit more um, comfort in dropping a little bit deeper and connecting play uh, if he needs to in certain environments so I'm pretty confident that if he does come in, I, I think that there are the tools there to make a very good player for Chelsea. But obviously, as we know at Chelsea, just because we sign a good player does not mean he's going to you know, turn into a well-beater for us. There, there's a lot more things that, that go into a good transfer, as we know, and, and a bad one, as Chelsea know very well. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts because there is that trepidation because Chelsea have had a lot of injury problems. And, and the last thing we want to do is spend a lot of money on a player to come in. And isn't the one that was before the injury and we consistently have him on the injury table but again I think it is a fair point that someone could come back with you have that you know, risk with any player. You know, unless you're going to find someone who has no injury problems at all, let's just hope this injury he recovers from quickly. And then if the deal can be done before the start of 2023, uh, it's all good for him to to come to Stamford Bridge and hopefully uh, wreck things up in 2023 in, in a good way for Chelsea's attack. Uh, let me know your thoughts on the World Cup so far. Are you enjoying it? I mean, based on the first two games that, you know, I thought... Qatar vs Ecuador, it was like watching an FA Cup third round game between like a Premier League team and, you know, a League One team. It it was bizarre, the the mismatching quality. Um, And, you know, I think Ecuador kind of put their foot off the gas in the second half to conserve a bit of energy. Um, So in the first two games of this tournament, we have kind of seen two routes in a sense. Of course, England went all the way and scored six, but. Um, I think it's going to be more competitive. The senegal uh, Netherlands game, got some really good players there. I think USA-Wales is an interesting game. And then moving on, we've got some real good games for the rest of the week. So I, I'll be covering it on the channel, trying to get uh, content on, on a daily basis, also in audio format if I can as well. Uh, so if you're listening on the podcast, please do give us a rate and review because it really does help out and gets the podcast growing uh, surrounding Chelsea content. As I said, uh, going to be continuing to, to talk about Chelsea and the news that's cropping up around this World Cup. And also some of the players that you know Chelsea are going to be linked with because of this world cup and whether we should go in for them or not Uh, let me know your thoughts on the video if you are watching hit that subscribe button and the notification bell and i will see you again very soon all the best